Good morning. Did you notice the great singing? Obviously not. That must have just been me at the front or something. Maybe it's because all those college students over here, a massive number of people singing with energy, and I was just like, man, this sounds great. And I know Matt Nix isn't that good, so it was good singing of the church. It was great. <laughs> he does a great job picking out songs, and I appreciate and love him even though I give him a hard time. I guess I give all song leaders a hard time. That's just a preacher's thing, I guess. Uh, anyway. Don't miss next Sunday. I want to encourage you definitely. I mean, you can come that early service if you want to, but I think it should be vacant uh, because what you're going to have in the second service is Brian Starin is here to preach. You stuck with me if you come to the early service. Brian Starin, who, who did, who did uh, uh, some, I don't, it's not, it's not, it's not magic exactly. It's, it's just some kind of thing. Anyway, he worked at Disney for years and, and now he does Disney cruises still, but he works as a youth minister in Kentucky. And our couples got together and heard him and just had a great time. He's going to be here, but he has a compelling message on Romans 8.28. He's got an amazing story from his childhood. You need to hear it. So be here next Sunday to hear that. And then we'll have potluck after and then the early afternoon service. And then, and then after that, uh, at 4 o'clock starts the college thing. I just call it the college thing. It's hashtag now what? Or what now? What is it? Now what? Anyway, it's got that number symbol in front of it. That's what I'm saying. And, and, and it's a great time. Brian's going to do a great job with that. And those kids are going to have a great time. And, and I, I was in Popper Bluff Wednesday night. They're bringing a group for that college thing because they've got a couple of them that, that are graduating with nursing degrees that don't have husbands yet. And, and they're all coming down. No, I'm just kidding about that, sort of. Although she did tell me to be on the lookout, so I'm just saying... Anyway, they're coming down with some college students. We're going to have a, a packed house. It's going to be a lot of fun. Those college students are going to be great. And if you want to come for that, don't hesitate to come for that, but be careful. College people are weird. So as, as, as we get ready for that, be here next Sunday. It will be worth your while to be here, uh, whether it's for the college thing or that morning in worship. Uh, you'll want to be here for that. I understand, according to talking to Brian, uh, but he, he's already gotten a call from Kim. Listen to this. This is the greatest reason to be here. He's going to make Paul disappear. Yeah, I can't wait. So anyway, now I don't know if he'll bring him back or not, but anyway, that's what he's saying to me, so we'll see what happens. We got to visit with a young man yesterday. You'll want to know, Myatt's his name. He was sitting there, sitting on his mama's chest, and they were talking about the, the word home started coming up a little bit. We don't know how soon, but I'm going to predict this as a prophet. Either next Sunday or the Sunday after that, we're going to be introduced here at church to this young man that we have been praying for so earnestly, and I just can't wait. It's going to be energetic. It's going to be fun, and, and it's going to be just rewarding to see this young man. So just... Um, just keep that in prayer and, and keep that excited. Also be the, with the Longs who are also having some concerns with Adeline. We want to be mindful of them as well. We're in Matthew chapter 7, if you'll be turning there as we sing. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. 
the Bible tells me so. Jesus has all these people up on the mountain listening to him. They've been riveted for a few moments. I don't know how long it took him to preach this. It wouldn't have taken a long time if it's like the text. But he's about to drop the microphone and he wants to leave them with one last image before he does. And it's this simple, very simple story every child has learned and knows the hand movements too. And then he drops the microphone and walks away. It's a simple story. It goes something like this, although we might update it just a little bit. There are these two people these two people who need shelter, it's a universal need of all of us. It's one of the five basic needs of everybody. We need something over our heads to live in. They've lived with their parents in their parents' house for years, and they go off to college, and they go into Armstrong, or they go into Farrow Hall, and they live a few years like that. They get out of college, and they use rent homes. They pay rent to these landlords, and they live in their houses for a time. But they get married, they decide now's the time to do what we've always wanted to do, and that is build our own home, where we can build it the way we want to, make our choices and structure it the way we want to. And so they start planning it. Two different couples now are, are thinking about, in the same town, they're thinking about a home to build, but they don't know what to do. They want to be their own overseers. They want to build it themselves, but they don't want to, to make those foolish elementary mistakes that are unnecessary. And so they call the greatest, the best, the most experienced contractor in their area. A man of integrity, a man who's been building houses here for years, who knows the, 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 lay, the layout of the land, who knows all the codes that are supposed to build by. And they decide we're going to have a meeting with them. Two different couples, two different times with the same contractor. And they meet with the same contractor and he, he comes in and he says, I've got to warn you about this. I've been building houses and I've been watching houses that have been built by others for years and I know, I know what it takes to build a house that will stand the test of time in this community. I know that the codes of our area haven't changed in 50 years. We can't get it together to vote these things through and people don't like change. But I'm going to tell you this, the weather, and pa weather patterns have changed. We've learned a lot about the topography We've learned a lot about how the land responds to the different weather stuff and the different things going. So I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you what the codes are, but I'm going to tell you, you need to be more strict than the codes are sometimes if you want this house to stand. Now let me tell you, I'll tell you what the codes are, but I'm going to tell you, you've got to be diligent. You need to dig deeper than most people do. This ground is soft and it moves. So what you got to do is you've got to go down to the bedrock and you've got to put some pillars in that bedrock so that no matter what's going on around it, it, it stays stable and firm. And then you've got to build a, a thicker-than-normal foundation. I want you to don't just settle for just anything. Make it thick and let it sit for a long time before you start building on it with whatever material you want to. You don't have to do all this, but I'm telling you from experience you need to do this if you want it to stand and be stable and sound. The couples listen very intently and they take notes and they go home. Couple number one talks about it and says, you know what this means? We're going to have to save a little longer before we can even get started because it's 15% higher to do everything the contractor, contractor says. It also means we've got to dig deeper. We've got to work harder if we're going to do this by ourselves, uh, uh, with ourselves overseeing this. And, and it's going to take longer. 
It's just going to be some metal, some stuff, but the couple looks at each other and says, this guy has integrity, and this guy is, has told us what we need to do. Let's just do what he tells us. And they do. It takes them two and a half years before they get their house built finally. But there they are, two and a half years later, in their home. Couple number two went home, and they had the same notes in front of them. They heard what that contractor said, and they said, man, we've been waiting forever. We've been waiting so long, and this is our dream. We don't want to wait any longer than, than we have to, so let's just stick with the codes. Let's just do what the codes say. Let's not work that hard. Let's not spend that much, and let's not take that long. So they do everything to code except when they can cut corners with the code. Because there's ways when you're building that you can do some shortcuts that no one can see anyway. And so they build their home the same, the same outlook, the same way as the first one do, except they cut all those corners and they didn't take those diligent steps. And so seven months later, they move into their house. Now let's fast forward three years later as you're driving through this town and you're going past both of these houses. They both look the same. They're beautiful. They're in great neighborhoods. Their landscaping is perfect. From the outside, everything appears the same. And you think, well, a person would love and be proud to have either one of those houses because they're beautiful and they look the same. Until three years after that, six years after building, they have the worst spring storms they've ever had in this area. Both those houses are within a tenth of a mile of a creek or river that flows through the town. The, the pounding of the rain and it's just constant coming down of the rain and the storms come in and the winds that blow and the hail that falls and all these things go on. It's the worst spring they've had in, in anybody's memory. And that water rises, almost gets to the foundation of both of those homes and the water gets soaked up into the ground and the ground becomes soft and starts shifting a little bit. And the winds, boy, one particular night, the wind, straight line winds just nail those walls and you can hear the creaking of house number two. And then one night, the, the final spring storm comes through, ravages the area. Trees down everywhere. And when the light of day comes, the house number one has some leaves plastered to it and some limbs on the roof, but it's intact and it's fine, and so are its residents. But house number two that cut all the corners, the wall has, has shifted, the foundation has cracked, and they have to move out and they have to start over from scratch. Everything looked the same until the storm came. Then you saw the differences. Jesus drops the microphone and walks away from these people on the mountain. Surely you know this is not about houses. I mean, Jesus is a carpenter, but he's not just giving some construction advice for his last word to these people. This is life building. Everyone builds their life on a foundation, and from that foundation they make choices that build their lives over time. It's out of that foundation you will make those choices. It's everyday, daily things. In this story, what you should know is this. Jesus is the contractor. He's the one who's telling them how they need to build their lives. And the builders are you and me. They're every listener. They're every person who's building their life. And they've listened to this contractor. And what you know is there are other voices you could hear, y'all. 
Jesus, when he talks this, when he presented them, what he's saying to them, I'm going to give you instruction for how to build your life deep and sound. But I'm going to tell you, he says, there are plenty other voices out there and words that you can hear that are less costly and less work and less time-consuming, like the Pharisees who just, oh, just scratch the surface and do the superficial thing. And the builder has to decide how they're going to live. Give you some examples. Jesus, the master carpenter, and his construction of your life would say this. When you get angry, don't just refrain from killing people. Dig down deep and decide you're not going to hate people. You're not going to resent and have constant bitterness in your heart and an anger that never subsides. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to deal with that. Think of all the driving in Jonesboro. Think of all the political discussions and the posts on Facebook. When people do you wrong, don't harbor revenge in your heart. Forgive it and let it go. Our fallen humanity experiences destroyed lives and a lack of peace and joy because they harbor this bitterness and anger all the time. Their health is torn apart as they hold on to things all their lives that just fester inside of them. Have real joy, Jesus says. And they also go out there and they offend and they hurt people and they have many enemies. But go to the trouble of the instruction of the carpenter of Galilee and then when the storms hit, you will be able to withstand them. There is peace in your life. Do what Jesus says to do. It's troublesome and it's irritating and it's dogged to you, but it will pay off and the difference will be clear. And the world is overrun with lust and sexual sin. And it says, go ahead and exploit all this. Go ahead and go to that internet site and listen to that music and watch those movies and treat women like this. Go ahead and do that. But Jesus says, no, what I want you to do is be faithful to the spouse you aren't even married to yet. Be faithful to the spouse that you are married to. Do not divorce them. And not only that, don't just don't leave them, but love them with all your heart. And not only that, but guard your heart. Go to the length of plucking out your eyes and cutting off those offensive body parts. Have a faithfulness that's loyal and deep and sustains a life of integrity and isn't shattered by all these broken dreams and homes and lives left scattered in the way. Dig deep. Be people who listen to this instruction of Jesus and take it to heart. Stand strong at the end of your life with faithfulness and loyalty as your standard and a home that's solid and known for its faithfulness. The difference will show. When you have a chance to misrepresent the truth through lies and deception, it will be tempting to do what the world has already accepted as okay. That's kind of wiggle out with some untruth. But train yourself to be people of truth, of the God who you serve. He is truth, and you tap into his character by your own behavior, and you will be people of truth. We are people of total transparent truth. Say yes and say no and mean what you say. Dig deep and anchor your life in that God of truth. And you'll never have to worry about the coming weather patterns or the forecast at all. You will stand strong come what may. That's digging deep. That's meddlesome. That's saying not the easy, impulsive, natural thing. 
That's not the thing everybody else does. It's the thing that only people who listen to Jesus the carpenter would do. He says, mess with this. Don't stay superficial like the Pharisees. Dig deep. It's worth the trouble. Crazy thing is this. Both, co- both couples heard the same words from the same contractor. They heard all the same things. One couple just did what he said. The other couple disregarded what he said. And that is what made all the difference. It's too costly. It's too much work. It takes too much time to live a life of that much integrity. Yes, that's right. But what do you want? It'd be nice if hearing was all that it took, church. Yeah, that's what we do here. We gather at church or Bible class, we hear. We hear the word applied. We hear the word read. We hear the word admonished on each other. But hearing is not enough. Only doing actually actualizes the benefits of hearing. Here we hear. We hear each other sing. We hear the sermon, some of us. We hear the sermon. And that's great, but listen, that's not going to save you, and that's not going to make a difference in your life, and that's not going to give you a foundation that will withstand the temptations and the trials this life will throw at you. It's not just about hearing, and there are a lot of people who feel like it is. I heard you preach a great sermon. I'm glad you did. It's not going to do you any good just to hear. It's not even going to do you any good just to feel. I hear people walk and they say, well, boy, that was a good sermon. really stepped on my toes. I feel the conviction. I'm grateful that you feel it. But feeling is not what God's after. And not knowing either. It's not just knowing facts and being able to recite where that verse is. It's not being able to make those amazingly insightful uh, comments in Bible class that everybody goes, boy, that person really knows their stuff. You can win Bible trivia. Great. The problem is that lulls us into thinking that we're satisfying God, the fact that I came to church and I heard it. God, I heard it. So what? I want you to be a poet here in a minute. Just back up a little in the sermon, and Jesus says, there's going to be so many come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we knew you. Lord, Lord, we knew you. We did what, we kind of did these things. We came and we heard these things. We came and we felt these things. We came and we know these things. And Jesus says, I, I don't know who you are because you didn't do them. Knowledge takes away your excuse. It's the beginning of the work. Knowledge and hearing is the beginning. It also obliterates any excuse you have because once you hear, you cannot say, I didn't know, no one told me, I never heard that. Because once you hear, you now have the option to do or not. So at coming down the mountain of the Sermon on the Mount, these people could no longer say, I didn't know. Yes, they did. It's just they didn't do. You guys are in trouble as of this morning because now you've heard. And the dangerous bead is on you. You can never say, I didn't know. Now, let's become a poet. I want you to repeat after me. You ready? If you know, but don't do, you know God, but he doesn't know you. Say it again. If you know, but don't do, You know God, 
but he doesn't know you. And that's not good enough. It's not a knowledge issue. It's not a hearing problem. We have hearing devices all over the place. This is a doing thing. This is a doing thing. Jesus wants them to know that. And they're left with only one decision to make. Do it or don't do it. And one couple does and one couple doesn't. And that's the way of judgment. What I love about this image, though, as we wrap this up, and I'm going to tell you the reason why you should go to the trouble of doing this, no one here can tell you that this is going to be the easy route. No one can tell these college students, you come here, it's going to be, we're going to make going to church and being faithful easy. No one can make faithfulness to God easy. No one can. No one even can really make you do it. What you're going to discover now is parents can't even make you do it, not from a distance. They can try to make you feel guilty, but they are not going to drive all the way from home and make sure you're here on Sunday morning. Paul will, but you can always get around him somehow. Mitchell and Lori will just nag you to death, just like your parents. But we can't do anything about that. This is when you decide, am I going to do or not? Now's the time to decide. No more playing games and no more coming up with excuses of other things. Here's the beauty of it, and here's why you should bother digging down deep. If you hear God's words and don't do them, the storms are going to come. If you hear the word of God and do them and are faithful, the storms are still going to come. I wish I could say it this way. I wish I could sell Christianity this way. I wish I could say, you give your life to God, and you confess his name, and you're immersed in the waters of baptism. You rise to walk a new life that is forever shielded and protected by the hand of God, and these bad things won't happen. But at Valley View, we can't tell that lie because we can't even fake you out with life here. You're going to be faithful parents who wake up on a Sunday morning, and your baby's gone. We can't lie about this. We cannot lie. Not only can we not, can we not say the scriptures tell us that, we can't even demonstrate it for you here. Our lives are a mess. If you're looking for a church that's glorious, untouched by trouble, go somewhere else. It's not here. We can't make that promise. I can't make that promise when your baby, perfectly healthy, is put on your chest, won't be snatched and taken to a children's hospital for a month of its life where it's within inches of life the whole time. I can't tell you any of that. Faithful, godly, holy people will suffer. We didn't get a get-out-of-life-without-storms-free card. We don't get one. So you're going to go... I thought this is an invitation to tell me why I should go to the trouble, and you're telling me if I do, I'm still going to have the trouble. It's true. So what's the payoff? Why should you bother digging deep? I don't know how to illustrate it except by this little punching bag right here, and this is going to be imperfect because this is a cheap one. I asked the elders to let me buy one for a sermon illustration. They said, your, your cost limit's 10 bucks, so I, I just couldn't, couldn't get a good one. This has got a water as a base right here. I could use that as an illustration, water baptism, right? Um, anyway, this thing is a punching bag, and it's supposed to be to a one-man thing where you can just kind of do this, and it comes back at you like this, just keeps taking hits like this. I couldn't build a house 
as an illustration. So I'm moving from the construction of a house to a punching bag. Life is going to come at you like this. Every one of us. Some of them are light punch, punches, right? I mean, some of them are like this. You just like, you know, a little bit of a financial stress at the end of the month. Boom, like that. Comes right back. It's kind of nice like this. Here's what God is saying to us about the Christian life. One of, my, one of my bad things about selling the Christian life is so many times at the end of a sermon we come down and say, do you want to get the end of your life and go to heaven or hell? Of course, everybody wants to go to heaven, and that is a motivation. And Jesus says you do pick the road that you take, the gate you go in and the road that you travel based on where it will end up. He says, do you want to end up in life or destruction? And so Jesus does use this. It is a legitimate motivation to tell you that one of these days you want to be in heaven with God where everything goes the way it's supposed to be and everything is set right and no one dies and no one's separated from anybody and we have the perfect life. It's going to happen. But is there anything between now and then that gives me a reason why I should be a Christian? Is it just that by and by in heaven when I die, let's just let's pretend I know I don't, but let's say I've got 45 years left. Is the reason I'm living the Christian life only because 45 years from now I want to go to heaven? No, there's got to be something more, it seems to me. And Jesus in the story says there is. Life's going to come at you and it's going to hit you hard. And those who build their lives on the right foundation, you will move, guys. You will bend. It will hurt. Man, I'm not going to tell you it's not going to hurt. No one in here can tell you. It's going to hurt, boom, like this. But you're going to come back up because Jesus is your foundation. He will not let you be crushed. He won't let you be crushed and destroyed beyond despair. He's not. He's not going to let that happen. He's got you in the palm of his hand if you've trusted him. And then there's going to be times, and this is where... I was working in the garage trying to figure out if this was going to work or not, and I found out if you hit this thing hard enough, it's going to stay down a while. I thought, that ruins the whole illustration. But the next morning, it was up here. That water finally has a way of getting around. And I'm going to tell you this. We get little punches all the time. But you ask the swindles... And you ask the Whitleys, and it's going to come like that sometimes. And you're going to stay down here a long time. It's called being on your knees. It's called pleading and having people plead with you. And you're going to ask the least, they're going to say you're going to take a hit that's going to take your breath away. And you're going to have moments where you don't know if you're going to survive or not. And I would be lying to tell you that that's something you're now immune from. You're not. But I'm going to tell you this. You will not be destroyed. God will not let you die and be apart from him. He's going to hold you in his hand. As long as you're faithful to him and living the life he asked you to, he will hold you up. He will not let you fall until we get to that spot where everything is as it should be in heaven, which is the greatest reason to become a Christian. Until you're there, while you're living in the meantime, the storms don't come at the end. The storms come while you're traveling in the road. They come all along life, one after another. They are going to happen to you, and I I've got this guarantee. Jesus does. I'm sorry, I don't. Jesus has this guarantee. You will stand on the rock and not be destroyed. That's why you should be a Christian. God's got you. And he will hold you up. 
when things are all wrong. And then when you get to that glorious time in life where he ushers you into life where everything is made right, you'll know it was all worth it. We bear witness to that too. What you have is the Whitleys back there and you have the Swindles back there absolutely as crushed as they can be still today, but they're here. They're struggling through this. We're praying them through this. I'm going to tell you this. Stuff like that's going to happen, but you're going to have a family and you're going to have a God who holds you up until the day when everything is made right and reunions are beautifully done in eternity. That's why you should be faithful. That's why you should bother with digging down deep. It's going to take work. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to ha- you're going to have to dig down deep, but listen, there's something Christians have to hang on to that is unchanged and unmoved by anything that happens in this life, and it's called the identity of our God. That's the only promise I can make. So what you found out this morning, and listen to the words of the contractor, is this. This is going to be hard work. It's going to have to dig down deep. It's going to be costly to you. But it's worth every effort for the kind of life that he promises us here. The contractor has spoken. You have heard his words. You have heard what he's had to say about life. You as the builder now have a decision to make. What choice are you going to decide? The contractor has spoken. How are you going to build your life? The choice is yours as we stand and sing to encourage you.